How many of you have already found yourselves glued to the television watching? Oh, some of you already know. I mean, I'm seeing the head shaking already. You don't even know what I'm talking. The Olympics, you know exactly where I was going. I understand. You know, it's just like, I don't know, every four years, I got to do it, right? I mean, it's, you know, Olympics. Olympics brings the world together, right? I mean, you're watching already swimmers and, you know, how about, the, how about the air rifle? Virginia, she's from West Virginia. She's a student at West Virginia. Hadn't shot a gun until five years ago when her grandfather took her deer hunting and she killed the deer with the first shot she'd ever taken. That might be semi-natural. You know what I'm saying? And then she goes on and wins a gold medal five years later. Incredible. Don't we all wish we just like could pick something up? And I mean, isn't that like the dream of... Every kid in America, right? I mean, and around the world probably, winning a gold medal. Like, you couldn't guess which sports I had hoped to, you know. Bowling used to be in the Olympics and then out, and so that was depressing. Um, so golf is starting to, you know, is going to play this year, so I'm excited about that. But, man, I'm well past that stuff, so... Um, anyway, it's exciting. So the Olympics, is, is, it brings people together. It's just an incredible thing. Entire world roots for their athletes. You know, in the past, for thousands of years, the only thing the, the world competed in was war. And now we have the Olympics to celebrate athletics and just sportsmanship and all those things. And I realize they're friendly games. I get it. Unless you watch like beach volleyball and they, you're like to the face, oh, you know, it's, it's terrible. Maybe there's something about it to representing your country and, and the weight of the entire country is on your shoulders and there's something about this whole thing. But there's also some studies that have been done. Do you realize that people who get silver medals are often more upset than those who get bronze medals. See, those who get silver medals feel unlucky. Those who get bronze medals feel lucky. See, bronze medals are one step from fourth, which is wonderful because you don't get anything. And so you're celebrating, I got a medal. But when you finish second, oftentimes, if you thought there was a chance for you to win... You're disappointed. And the problem with that is, that's often how we gauge ourselves in life. We look at people who finish ahead of us, and it devalues us. And then we finish ahead of others, and we go, I'm better than them. We don't say it out loud. But the problem is, Comparing ourselves to others, we're not owning the identity that God has given us. Instead, we allow success or image to tell us what is good. Humility doesn't go there. Humility is thinking about others 
and really not thinking about oneself at all. It's the challenge that we face. We finished with humility last week, and we're going to start with humility again this week from 1 Peter chapter 5. Last week we ended with these instructions from Peter. The end of verse 5. Serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The ending of verse 5 is really a quote of Proverbs 3.34. And the theme of humility is a constant theme for the follower of Jesus. Although it isn't a theme that fits well with the general American population. We don't like humility. We love humility in other people. But we don't really want to live humble lives. So Peter continues on in verse 6, and he says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Humility is an act of the will. Humility does not come naturally. Humility is a decision. It's a choice that we consciously make. It isn't easy, but it ought to be the hallmark of the follower of Jesus. We need humility to live in the world that we live in. Humility is what puts others ahead of ourselves. It's the thing that would make our nation better if our leaders were humble leaders. Unfortunately, we don't really value humility in our culture. When believers humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God, they were actually submitting themselves to God's care and His protection. The reference here of God's mighty hand references Israel's escape from Egypt through God's mighty power. It's often that we see these things and we think, look, God has the ability to do that. God has the ability to help us. Here's the deal. We like to do things on our own. We like to be in charge. We like to be the people who accomplish great things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to accomplish some stuff. The the, the nation of America has been made great through hard work and efforts. But America has been made great through the hand of God on people's lives. Look, if there was any reason that America exists, it's because founders submitted themselves and humbled themselves before God. We see that theme lived out in our nation, in our founding fathers. There's all kinds of discussion about those things. Look, one of my final papers in in college was the separation church and state. Interesting. Even back in the 80s, there was great discussion about whether certain things happened in our nation. Historical fact that could be, could be verified by, by minutes of the Constitutional Convention. Depending upon which version of our nation 
people wanted to exist. If they wanted to exclude God, they said, this never happened. If you wanted God to, to, to get the credit that he deserved and the reality of what it was, you wrote the thing the way it was. And I can tell you that things like prayer being recommended at the Constitutional Convention is the very thing I'm talking about. Humility is submitting yourself under God's mighty power. Well, that's what we need. Not just in our nation, but in our lives. We need to submit ourselves to the mighty power of God. We need to humble ourselves before God. And part of that is followed up in the next verse. In verse 7, it goes on and says, Peter writes, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. When we humble ourselves before God, we submit to his care and protection. And I've already said that. There are many times that we can be overwhelmed by the things that we face. The things that we're dealing with, those are the times we must give our cares and worries to God. See, humility is surrendering those things to God. Now, I know there's hard work that needs to take place. I know that we need to do this. But the honest truth is most of us need to submit our lives more to God. And if we'll do that, we'll see the display of his power in our lives. I have people who often say things to me like, oh man, you have all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, man, are you not like stressed out? And Okay, just to give you a little idea, right? Here's just a quick list of just the little things that I'm dealing with at the moment. Building a building for Mission Hill. Remodeling a kitchen and fellowship hall here. Uh, The sale of a portion of our parking lot. Repaving our parking lot. The remodel of the kitchen at Chi Alpha as well in the parking lot there. Purchasing a building for Heritage Country. Um, oh, by the way, we have a pastoral transition at Mission Hill, so I'm looking for a campus pastor. Oh, that's right. We're looking for a, for a music pastor here. Um, boy, there's probably some other things. But here's the deal. If I had my eyes on all those things, I would be burdened down and worried. Look, I have a principle that I live. This is not my problem. It's his problem. Oh, I might be the leader that God has set up in this place, and I have an incredible board, and there's incredible volunteers, and if it wasn't for those people, there'd be no way we could do this. But here's the deal. It's not my problem. This is God's church, not mine. It's his problem for all this to work out. It's his problem to to walk through all this stuff. It is not my problem. Look, I got work to do. I've got things to do. I got people to talk to. I got interviews. I got architects. I got engineers. I mean, all kinds of conversations. But this is not my problem. It's God's. We've got to get to those places in our lives when we can take all the things that we face and say, Lord, here they are. This is your problem, not mine. That's what he's saying here. 
That's what Peter is writing to that church. See, they had all kinds of things they were facing. They weren't sure where their next meal might come from at times. They weren't sure where their next attack was going to come from. They weren't sure what kind of persecution was coming. But Peter had told them, you're going to face these things. You are going to be persecuted. You're going to experience some rough times. But give that all to God because he cares for you. He'll watch over you. He'll protect you. Look, when we're willing to cast all of our cares and worries on God, we are demonstrating that we trust God completely. It takes humility to turn, to turn all our cares and worries to God. Look, if we, see, see, but that's not our way. See, we actually want the credit when things work out really well. We were like, see what I did? You remember. When things work out really well, when parking lots are done and kitchens are remodeled and, and we have staff members over campuses and we got music pastors and we got stuff going on, just remember, I don't get any credit for that because it's God at work. Look, that's humbling ourselves. That, that's saying, Lord, here, use me whatever way you need to use me. But Lord, I know the only way anything good's going to happen is because of you. Look, I appreciate and I love what took place in, in our worship this morning. I love that. It was powerful. But you know, the truth of it is, it's all because of God. Look, it was, it was, a, it was an openness. It was, a, it was allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our midst. And we need to be a, available for that. We need to be open to that. But everything that God does, he gets the credit for. Look, that's humility. Humility is, Lord, I'm just a tool within your hand, and I just want you to use me. And you get all the glory. That's humility. That's saying, God, you're going to take care of me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to do everything that I need. You're going to help me through it. That's his grace. That's his care. Look, if you don't think it's a serious thought of the scriptures, just think for a moment with me to Matthew chapter 6. There's an incredible story there, an incredible teaching of Jesus. And I'm sure that Peter's thinking about these things because Jesus also said things like, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. He, he said things like this where he taught in Matthew 6. And he said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, how he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything 
you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Paul told the church at Philippi something very similar. And something that I think we need to remember in difficult moments and even in the good moments. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look, when I look at that stuff, when I see what the promises of God are, when we're going through good times, we need His peace. When we're going through bad times, we need His peace. And I'm telling you, if you have peace in bad times, that's a greater testimony than peace in good times. Look, we need His grace to demonstrate our lives all the time. But when you can demonstrate and experience His peace in the midst of difficulty, you are an incredible testimony of who God is. That's what they were facing. Look, and as you go on from here in, in 1 Peter, look, he, he's saying humble yourselves. Understand that you, you must humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God and, and demonstrate humility. And it goes on the next part of 1 Peter 5. is somewhat of a response to everything the first century followers of Jesus were about to face. Peter was preparing them for the suffering that awaited them. And he had just told them to be prepared for it. And in the midst of it, stay humble and give all your cares and worries to God. Because if you don't, Satan is looking to destroy you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around look, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, believers all over the world, is going through the same kind of suffering you are. The devil's schemes in many ways look like this. If he can get us knocked off course by worries and cares, then we won't fulfill the mission of Jesus in our day. If persecution keeps the follower of Jesus from doing the work of God on the earth, then those difficulties served the devil's purpose. Look, every difficulty you experience isn't an attack from the enemy, but every difficulty that comes into your life can be used by the enemy to destroy your life. Look, if you're willing to surrender and you're willing to not humble yourself before the, the hand of God, things that come into your life can take you off course. Satan is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lions look for people. Look for animals that are weak, young, or alone to attack. The devil's no different. Look, I, I saw a video 
It was a few weeks ago, and I wanted this, this, this video because it, it just pictures this look. There's this, there's this lion waiting to, to, to attack a, a, some kind of buffalo. And you can see it waiting and waiting to, to attack this buffalo. And as this buffalo is walking by, this lion jumps out, attacks this single buffalo. But he was unaware that there were friends of that buffalo around. And those friends come out of the bushes and they come right for that, that lion. And it was an interesting sight to watch the, this buffalo get a hold of that, that lion and hook him with his horns and flip him into the air just like a rag doll. It was a great video. Unless you like lions. But if you're going to use a, a video for this deal, you really need that one. The lion can't win because Satan is the lion. Peter's using that illustration. And I'm just telling you, there's power for believers who are together. Why am I pushing you to do small groups? Why am I pushing you to lead a small group? Because followers of Jesus need to be together for when they face the tough times and they're alone, they're easy prey. When they're together, then there's safety there. There's encouragement there. There's strength there. We need one another. If you can't understand a word I'm saying, I'm just telling you, you need one another. Your life depends on it. When you walk into a difficult place, when you get into a moment when there's attack of the enemy, you need somebody. And you can't go it alone. And just understand, God is saying to you, He needs you to be together. So I expect you to sign up for a small group right here in just a few moments. <laughs> Look, we need one another. This is what He's saying here. Peter is saying to the church in that moment, in the first century, you need one another. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, is roaring like a lion. He's prowling, looking for somebody to devour. That can't happen here. It's not okay. It's not okay that followers of Jesus who are new. Why? Because people that are new are the people that Jesus has died for. But the problem is if we don't connect them into our body, we're letting Satan destroy them. That is our fault. We can't do that. We must connect people. We must see people who walk into our doors as vital to the the kingdom, as vital for their life survival. Look, if there's people on our watch that spend eternity in hell because we didn't have a small group, we're going to live with that. I can't live with that. you got to do this. Have you ever heard me be this passionate? I'm just telling you, we got to humble ourselves. We must surrender our lives. That's what Peter is saying. Look, humility is surrendering my comfort, my life, everything about me to his will and his plan. Look, one of the great things about, you know, Anzai's relationship is this. Look, when I'm down, she encourages me. When my head's too big, she brings me back down. There's a balance there. We need people around us, not just there 
If you don't need a small group, somebody needs you in a small group. Somebody needs your wisdom and your strength, your faith to be an encouragement to them. They need you. And humility is saying, I might need somebody too. Because there's going to come a day when you're not as strong as you think you are. And you're going to need someone. And you need them. So do it. Get in a small group. Look, we ask you to do these things. We ask you to come to one service, get in a small group, and do ministry. Look, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to come together and worship collectively because there's power in it. And you, you experienced it this morning. You experienced the power of collective worship. But there's also power in that small group setting. Because it's in that moment that you can get down and say, what can I pray with you about? Speaking of praying for people, I need to pray for Dawn's father, who had a stroke. We need to pray for Kathy, who had surgery this week. Kathy Friend, she cooks. In fact, I expected her to have me lunch when I went to visit her, but she was in the hospital and just had surgery. But I mean, I'm just saying. But that's Kathy. If Kathy could have produced food right there when she's in a hospital, because she's thinking about her daughter's like, ah, oh, she's thinking about work stuff. In fact, she said, <laughs> she said, her daughter said to her, Mom, I'm not from work. Kathy said, you should be from work. <laughs> it's like, I'm not from work. It, we need one another in those moments. Look, it goes on in verse 10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. In the midst of difficulty, it seems as if pain will never end. When I had my first kidney stone, I thought I was going to die. When I had the third one, I drove from the, the place I was doing a wedding rehearsal through to Dylan's, pulled over because I thought I was going to get sick. So I sat there for a little while, and I'm like, I'm feeling better. I'll drive home. I called Hansel and I got home and said, hey, come get me. I need to go to the hospital, I have a kidney stone. I wasn't quite that calm, but I was close. Because at that point, I knew I wasn't going to die. I just need some pain meds. And then a lithotripsy. Look, if you know the pain is only a little while, you can handle it. If you think it's never going to end, you can't. Suffering and difficulty is only for a time. There is nothing that can happen to us that can keep us from Jesus. If we suffer to death, it isn't the end. Eternity is in front of us and a reward in heaven. That's what Peter was referring to in verse 6. Humble yourselves under God's mighty power and at the right time. He will lift you up in honor.
look, we might experience some lifting up on this planet, but I'll be honest, that is not the place I want to see it. I want my reward in heaven. Like there's nothing here that I really want. But I know there's a lot in heaven I want. I want to see and experience, and I want my blessing there. Peter had that confidence. If church tradition is correct, Peter didn't see restoration on this planet. We're told by historians that Peter suffered death by crucifixion upside down. Not a great way to go, but Peter was fully convinced that life on this planet was not all that there was. It was only the beginning of an eternity with God in heaven. Peter lived that way, and so should we. In the midst of all kinds of crazy, we can trust God to walk with us through it. So what do we do today? If you didn't get the message earlier, get connected to other believers in a small group. They'll be launching the week of August 28th. If you want to lead one, show up to the leaders meeting. Well, let us know you're showing up to the leaders meeting so we can have enough food for you. I'd hate to have to try and pray a miracle to make the food stretch. Lead a small group. Look. Trust God in a tough time. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I'm telling you, the God of heaven does. He cares for you. He sees you where you are. Your need might be at work. Your need might be in your family. Your need might be in your home. It might be in all kinds of places. It might be physical. I don't know where it is. But what I can tell you is, humility is just putting it before God and saying, all right, I can't fix it. But Lord, you can. And getting there before you try a hundred things. Get there fast. Just say, Lord, here it is. It's your problem. Help me through it. That is humility. Lord, you're the answer. I am not. Help me. That's humility. So whatever you face, humble yourself before God. Because he's got the power to deliver. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for this day. Lord, I'm asking that you would outpour your Holy Spirit in our lives and in this place. Lord, in these closing moments, God, do what you want to do. Lord, for small group leaders, God, I'm praying you would speak into people's lives. Lord, I'm praying that you will absolutely just drill it into some people's heads that you've called them to lead a group. Lord, and I'm praying that every person in this room would sense they are a need for one another. Lord, that their, their strength, their future is dependent upon their connectivity to other believers, and they will recognize they're needed for the future for other believers. 
Lord, would you do that in our lives and in this church? Lord, that we wouldn't allow a single person to fall through the cracks. God, that there wouldn't be a single new believer that comes to faith here that somehow ends up on the wayside. Lord, that every person that had the seed of faith sown into them, Lord, would actually bear fruit. Lord, that they wouldn't be trampled because it's on the path and it wouldn't be taken away by the birds. But Lord, that every seed sown would bear fruit. Lord, I'm praying that that would happen because we recognize that there are 90,000 people in this community that need Jesus. And it's our problem. You want to help us. And you want to use us. Lord, we're going to do something for your glory and for your honor. As you help us, we humble ourselves before you. You're going to enable us to do your work in this world. Lord, I pray this morning, anybody needs anything from you today, they would find you here today. Lord, there's people in this place that need to make a decision to follow you. God, I'm praying that this moment they will surrender in humility to the love of the Savior. Say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. And Lord, for those who need healing, they'll just come and say, God, I need you to do a miracle in my body. God, if we're facing crazy things, Lord, we would just come to you and say, Lord, I surrender. Do what you want to do in my life. God, have your way in these moments, I pray in Jesus' name.